pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your presence with us, the power of the risen Christ, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the vision of a new world, created, redeemed, and for your calling within the kingdom of God. So open our hearts and our ears and our minds to receive your word in the name of Christ. Amen. I've not been standing during all the hymns, so I'm not very good at standing at the moment. You should all say, ah. Because I can't stand for a long time, it could mean that you could have a shorter sermon. Ah, <laughs> <Aww>, hallelujah. <laughs> the verse with which this New Testament passage began, truly some of you are standing here who will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God. And that is immediately followed by this account of the transfiguration. If I have an aim for the sermon, indeed I have, that we should indeed see and taste the kingdom of God. You will notice from the order of service that after this sermon, there is a hymn, and it's a hymn of penitence. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, what better could we do on an anniversary than to recommit ourselves to Christ? To confess our sins and to open our hearts anew and afresh to him. So as we sing that hymn, those of you who feel particularly this morning that God is calling you to this act of rededication, of seeking again, to see and to experience the kingdom of God, then I would like you to come forward as a way of just marking that. And then there'll be a short prayer, and then we sing the final hymn, and then we have lunch, do we not? Good. <laughs> How many of you are good at climbing? How many of you have climbed today? Have you been climbing today, any of you? D does that mean you've all come up in the lift... Now, come on, how many of you have been climbing today? Up the steps and so on. What about mountain climbing? Not today, but at any other point. Mountain climbing. High mountains. I have climbed, um, well, Helvellyn. How many of you have been up Helvellyn? Yeah, what about um, Snowden? And I'm not talking about the train. High mountains. Mountains in Nigeria? Do you have high mountains? Yeah? Right. Uh, have you been climbing them? Yes. Yes. Wonderful. This is a story about climbing a mountain, and it's also about a mountain experience, and it's also about what you do with it and what happens when you come down to get on with life here below. And why did these disciples, just three of them,
climb the mountain with Jesus. And we're told in another version of this story that it was a very high mountain. And commentators have debated as to what that mountain might be. And often they've said, well, it's Mount Hermon, which is about 3,000 feet high. So it would have been a Pharaoh trek. And I'm told that possibly it would have taken about four or five hours to clamber to the top. So these three disciples and Jesus would be pretty tired. Mind you, these t- the disciples always seem to be tired. They're always falling asleep, like some people do in sermons. <laughs> tired, weary. Why did they go? Why did Jesus select these three and take them to the top of a mountain, 3,000 feet? Why did they stagger up there? Well, Luke makes it very clear. He says they've gone up to pray. Though the other gospel writers don't mention prayer, but Luke was always mentioning prayer. I think it's something about perspective. When you go up on a mountain, a high mountain, and there's no cloud, the sense of perspective grows. You can see more. Me standing up here, looking at you, I can see you all. Whereas if you look around, you can only see a limited number of people around you perspective. Jesus wanted to give them a perspective, an eternal perspective. And that's my aim today in speaking to you and sharing with you. I want you to share and be part of that eternal perspective, to catch the vision. Remember when we went to um, Switzerland and, and kept looking at the Matterhorn and waiting for that lump of cloud which stuck to the top, which did, we wanted it to will it away. Have you, some of you have seen that? Um, clouds on mountains. And there's a cloud that comes on this mountain later on in the story. Um, this strange experience. Jesus transformed. Jesus changed. In this promise of Jesus about seeing the kingdom of God come in power, was he referring to the resurrection? Was he referring to the transfiguration? What was happening on the transfiguration? And I think what we're seeing here, or what those disciples saw here, was something about a Christ, a Jesus Christ who who, who transcended everything, a Christ, a cosmic Christ, a Christ who somehow encompasses the whole of creation and transforms it, the luminosity, the light, the shimmering, the blaze of color, and the sheer wonder of this, this vision that they had at the mountaintop. And the perspective and those two people who joined him to talk. Moses and Elijah from the past. The past perspective. Today we ponder on the past perspective here. 105 years. I think it was uh, Dinsdale Young who was here for some 24 years. Um, He was brought here from... um, Another place in London at City Road, which probably I shouldn't mention. Um, And he came here from Wesley's Chapel for 24 years and retired at 77. But all the ministers here in the past, 
which some of you will remember clearly. And then the great events of the past here, the people who've been here, Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and all the people of the past here. And on this anniversary, we think of those, the great ones of the past, and there's a sense in which they're here. They're all around us. Those are not empty chairs up there. They're full. The great ones of the past. And in this experience here, Jesus is saying, catch this, this sense of the past and you're part of it now. And you're looking forward to the future. Jesus spoke to them about the, the, the departure which he was, accomplished, which he was going to accomplish in, in Jerusalem. And the actual Greek word is exodus. It's the future, the past is encapsulated in that moment, in this moment. Wow. They're all here. And Jesus is here. In this incredible, transforming, transfigured presence for us. The wonder of it. In 2006, we went to New Zealand. Um, I was doing some Bible studies at the conference there, and we stayed on for a couple of weeks after. And we toured the South Island, and we went, we wanted to go and to see Mount Cook and land on the, and, and have a flight around the mountain, maybe even land on the glacier. Um, we were very fortunate because when we arrived at this tiny sort of airport at the bottom of this, 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 this glacier under the shadow of Mount Cook, 12,000 feet, um, everything was clear. And the person who there said, you were very fortunate because there's been cloud here for, for the past month and we've not been able to take off. Um, so we took our, got our tickets. We saw the tiny air, air aircraft there, f four passengers, tiny little thing. And within this sort of shack here where we had our tickets, the, the person said, now you, you board by gate 21. And it was just a tiny hut, and there was a door there which said 21. So we boarded by 21 and walked across to this, 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 tiny, air, this tiny aircraft, and up we went, um, circling around. And then at the top of the glacier, the plane landed. And I should never forget that mountaintop experience as we clambered out of this tiny plane and tramped across the ice and the silence the silence you could reach out and touch it the tangibleness of that silence I understand why mountain tops are holy places and indeed we felt I felt I was standing on holy ground. 
I guess it was what was going on here, but more. Because suddenly there was this cloud that came across. Thank the Lord, it didn't come across us on the glacier. But it came across this mountain. And the disciples were terrified as they entered the cloud. And out of the cloud there came a voice. This is my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen, 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 listen. Mother Teresa was interviewed and the reporter says, you pray, what do you say to God? And she said, I, I don't say anything to God. I listen. And the reporter said, and what does God say to you? And she replied, he doesn't say anything to me. He listens. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand anything. Listen to him. Listen to him. So the vision. And what was the response? Dear Peter, who'd staggered out of sleep, says... Can't we build a few uh, tabernacles? Can't we encapsulate this moment? Can't we keep this mountaintop experience? Can we not hold on to it now? Can we not stay here on the mountaintop? There's the old Methodist hymn. Stay, master, stay upon this heavenly hill. A little longer let us linger still. With all the mighty ones of old beside, near the awesome presence still abide. Before the throne of light we trembling stand. And catch a glimpse into the spirit land. That's now. That's now. No, says the Lord. The hour is past, we go. Our home, our life, our duties lie below. While here we kneel upon the mount of prayer, the plough lies waiting in the furrow there. Here we sought God that we might know his will. There we must do it. Serve him, seek him still. So they had to come down. And next day they came down. And at the bottom of the mountain rubbish, confusion, shrieking, agony, useless disciples. Tomorrow, tomorrow, that's what awaits many of us. There's Brexit, there's twittering Trump, there's the North Korean madness, the world of earthquakes, of hurricanes, of violence, of polemic, of fear, of people fleeing from their lives. That's the messy world in which we live. But there's the mountaintop experience which is ours now, which enables us to live in that world. So that the kingdom experience at the top of the mountain is lived out and becomes a kingdom experience at the bottom of the mountain. 
Oh, says Jesus to these disciples who've been trying to sort out the problem. Oh, you, 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 you faithless, you perverse generation. You should have been at the top of the mountain. You should have done. And so when the service is over, when you go to your homes, the challenges, the things that are waiting you there, the challenges of your job tomorrow, how are you going to cope? I do confess that mountaintop experiences fade. I do confess that I remember those great moments, but there are times when, when you're down there in all the confusion and chaos, that you sort of lose that sense of perspective. And I want to say to the Lord, help me to see again. Forgive me. And I guess there are people here, in a sense, who are like that, some of you. And some of you maybe have never had that experience of the living Christ who somehow sums up and encapsulates and, and redeems the whole of creation. Well, now is the moment. Now is the moment to recommit ourselves and to say, dear Lord and Father, Forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind in purer lives. Thy service find in deeper reverence. Praise. And so we sing. And if you feel that you want to make a, a tangible expression of that, then I invite you to step forward. Join the hymn.